Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You're listening to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea Gillis. And I'm Steph Page. We're two Canadian expats now living in Australia and the UK. Between the two of us, we've been through the ringer in our travels, experiencing missed flights, volcanic eruptions, and even a terrorist attack. It's not all that extreme, though. We've also experienced heartwarming, life-changing moments and met amazing people along the way. So kick back and listen to All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. Welcome to another episode of All the Shit I've Learned Abroad. I'm Andrea. And I'm Steph. And this week, uh, Steph sort of teased up um, this episode on on last week's episode, if you listened. Um, And we did an episode a few weeks ago about Mm long-haul travel. And in that episode, we sort of touched on, you know, sort of the lighthearted side, I guess, or or the comforts needed when uh, traveling on a long-haul flight, uh, long drives. Um, But recently, Steph uh, and a friend of hers have gone through quite a scary experience um, Mm -hmm. that we thought it was really important to touch on a long-haul travel again just because of um, a recent situation that that has come up. And so this is sort of a part two um, and, you know, probably some more serious tones in this episode. But we, again, thought it was really important to, to talk about this. So, Steph, I'll let you go into what's been going on yep so on july 18th duh, just about two weeks ago now at the time we're recording this i had a girlfriend fly to australia it was pretty spontaneous you know she called me up said what are you doing next week i'm gonna book a flight so that's great the morning of i go to pick her up at the airport and i get a text message from her that says hey um you know i'm really dizzy apparently i can't even walk 10 feet so they're sending a shuttle for me ha 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 very lighthearted. Mm. And honestly, I read this message and I thought, oh, she took too many sleeping pills and yeah. maybe had a glass of wine and, you know, didn't react well. As you would. You would think something, yeah. probably nothing too serious, nothing out of the ordinary, just as you said, a bad flight. Definitely. So I'm waiting at, uh, you know, the airport, waiting for her to come out eventually. And she's not coming, not coming, not coming. And I thought, okay, she's probably at, you know, some medical uh, kiosk on the other side. But finally, it was long enough. I waited for about two and a half hours for her. And, Mm. you know, all the planes that landed after her, those people had come and gone. So I went down. This was in Melbourne Airport, too. There's the Australian Border Security. You have an office there. Mm -hmm. And I went in there and I said, hey, I'm looking for my friend. She was on this flight. Here's her name. 
I think she may be in medical on the other side. Can someone check in? So he rings up, you know, back to the other side and asked me, he said, okay, someone's going to come out and speak with you. Can you go have a seat over there? I'm thinking, okay. Did you so, think anything seriously at that point or? No, not really, no. to be honest. But and then eventually a Qantas rep came out and spoke to me and said that, you know, she wasn't really feeling well. So they've taken her to the ambulance and they did say at that point they suspected it was DVT. So deep vein thrombosis, which I've heard of, but have never understood. Mm-hmm. I knew nothing about it. So it didn't really mean much to me when she said that. And I'm thinking at this point that they're taking her. So they took her by ambulance to the hospital. But I'm still thinking they're doing this out of an abundance of caution. Right. You know, that she was lightheaded. She wasn't feeling too well. So they were going to go scan her to make sure it was just something normal. So that's what I'm thinking. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go home because she was in the emergency department. And, you know, if I rushed there, I wouldn't have been able to see her anyway. So I said, I'm going to go home, open up. I have a security gate, open up the gate so they can drop her luggage off uh, since no one would be collecting it. And I went home, did a couple things, grabbed some things for her and was about to leave for the airport when I got a call from a social worker at the hospital. And she's one of those people who, uh, you know, has this really warm, calming voice and you know, they're hired to make you feel better about the news that's coming. Okay. And that kind of, and she kept telling me, you know, your friend is quite unwell. And Did, I didn't really know what that meant, but I'm like, oh, like what, what's, I'm like, well, I'm on my way there right now. So I'll be there soon. And the hospital is making me fill out next of kin paperwork before I go see her. So at this point, did you, you didn't actually know what was going on. Like you didn't know the, the specifics. No. You just knew that at this point you must've known it was quite serious if you're filling out next to yeah. pen paperwork yeah because i was the only person she knew in australia so if anything happened i was going to have to make decisions for her mm. and that is i think when i realized i'm like what the hell is going on here right so then they take me back into the emergency room and thankfully she's awake she's lucid and i can talk to her which is great she was coming down off ketamine they gave her ketamine which is a pain drug but so she was a little loopy but she was conscious which really helped i don't know how i would have coped or handled it if she hadn't been and pretty soon after a doctor came in and explained to us that she had essentially suffered a pulmonary embolism and what that is is that's when a blood clot forms typically in your leg Mm -hmm. and travels up towards your lungs and the blood clot blocks your lungs and then what he explained so she actually suffered what was called a saddle pulmonary embolism which is when the blood clot is so large, it has blocked both of your lungs. So her blood clot was over her, the artery that leaves her heart and enters your lungs and was blocking both. So not only was the blood flow not going into her lungs, it was backing up in her heart. And her heart was almost double the size that it should have been. When you were speaking to her, was she? Mm-hmm. did she like explain to you like she, she knew when this happened on the plane? Like she... I don't, like, can you feel that happen? Yeah. Do you know? Okay. Definitely. So, right. so she, what happened to her was, um, she was on the flight. She did take some sleeping pills and then she slept for about, I think it was 10 hours. She said of the 15 hour flight, mm-hmm. which no, I mean, I've done that a million times. I'm sure tons of other people have done it many times and nothing happens. So for her, she was just a healthy person who had a really bad reaction, but what she first noticed, because there's multiple symptoms, and she did check all the boxes, but we weren't educated in this to know what the boxes were. Mm-hmm. So she went to the bathroom at some point during the flight, 
and she noticed she was really lightheaded, very dizzy. And she wrote this off because up in the air, the oxygen levels are lower. Yeah. You always feel a bit off off. anyways when you're flying, especially on a long haul flight. Like who can honestly say they feel themselves? You always just feel a bit. So she kind of wrote this off as, you know, the oxygen levels were different and she'd been sitting down for a while. And, and she said when she sat back down, it went away after a few minutes, she felt fine. So, you know, obviously we usually write things off as a, you know, a very simple experience. And she said, okay, you know, I'm flying, got a little dizzy, went away. I'm fine. And then she did not get up again until the end of the flight when they were getting up to disembark the plane. And what happened, she said, when she stood up and this must've been, I can't say this for a hundred percent, but this must've been where the blood clot actually moved and covered her lungs because she didn't even make it to the front of the plane. She got so dizzy. She couldn't walk. It was really hard for her. She sat down in a chair and of course the Qantas employees came over and they said, you know, have you drank enough water? She said, no, I didn't drink any water on the flight because she had a window seat and didn't want to, you know, have to step over people to go to the bathroom. So she just didn't drink anything. So they said, okay, you could be dizzy because, you know, you haven't drank, you're dehydrated. So they made her sit there and like, you know, calm down for a minute, drink some water. And then they did order her a wheelchair to take her up the ramp. So she went up the ramp and then she had to take, she had to walk onto an elevator up one floor where she was waiting for the shuttle. So the shuttle would take her up to customs. So the shuttle took her and her thought process at this point was, oh good, I have a shuttle. This will start, you know, feeling better. And it was getting worse. She said it was like a brick was inside her chest. It was so heavy. So by the time she got up, this is when she was getting worried because she said I should be getting better, not worse, just sitting here. So she got up to customs. She doesn't really remember too much giving them her passport, but she knows she did. But it was at this point, so she said she looked over and just gave them their passport. And they were like, ma'am, you need to look at us to verify who they are. And she said she just started sweating profusely out of nowhere. Nothing happened, nothing. She just started sweating. And that was when she knew something was really wrong. And, you know, I can't even imagine what she looked like. But I guess someone looking at her looked at her and immediately said, do you need medical? And she just nodded yes. So medical came immediately. And someone asked her that at that point, do you have, have you had any pain in your leg? And as soon as they said that, she said, you know, it was like, oh shit moment, you know, putting all the, connecting all the dots. So as soon as they said, did you have pain in your leg? She thought, oh no, here we go. And she heard someone say PE and she knew what pulmonary embolism meant because a family member had had one before. So they, at this point, they immediately took her into the ambulance to take her to the airport. They cut off all of her clothes And she does say she remembers someone saying, I hope you're not attached to the shirt. They then tried to take her blood pressure. And on the first reading, it was 70 over nothing. They couldn't find a reading. And then on the second reading, they couldn't find her blood pressure at all. It was gone, which I mean is very dangerous. So they actually shot her in the ambulance with adrenaline to keep her heart going. And she was actually in what is called peri-arrest, which is the moments immediately preceding a cardiac arrest. She was pre-heart attack, is I think the layman's terms for that. And, you know, I didn't know any of this was going on. I was sitting at the front still waiting for her to come out. And I guess she did tell them, like, go find my friend Steph. Not their concern at all. 
So they took her direct from the airport to the hospital by ambulance. At the hospital, they immediately gave her it's what's called a I'm not going to say this right thrombosis um, medication, which is an immediate clot buster. So it works to break up clots immediately. Because she got that medical care so quickly, the mortality rate for people who have this who go into cardiac arrest is 97%, which is scary. But if you're able to seek medical attention, the mortality rate goes down to about 2%. So, you know, I think for anybody listening, it goes to show if you're experiencing symptoms that you don't know what they are, get checked out rather than not. So they gave her the thrombosis medication at the hospital, broke up the blood clot. And then what happened is I guess her body was a searing pain because the blood clots that were still in her legs started breaking up as well. That she said it was like her leg turned into fire. So she's in emergency room for a couple of hours and then we're told they need to move her into the ICU. Because when you've had a blood clot like this, you're at a high risk for another one within the next 24 to 48 hours. So they take her up to the ICU and uh, they got her heart stabilized. They got her oxygen level stabilized. Um, you know, just all of her vitals had that had been off the charts and almost at zero. Uh, they really got those stabilized and got her back on track. So what did they say was the cause of it then? What, like, how did uh, yeah, this happen so, on the plane? Like, what, how did, how do you, what did they say yes. she could have done or didn't do? Yeah. And this is what anyone who flies, um, really needs to know is that she's, you know, 32, a healthy woman, and they said essentially everything that she should have done on a flight, she didn't do. She didn't drink any water, and on flights you should always stay very hydrated. She didn't get up because she had an eye. Like I said, she had a window seat, and she didn't want to ask people to move. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't get up. She didn't walk around. Um, she wasn't doing. You know how when you're sitting even in your seats, you can do ankle stretches or calf stretches. Yeah, your feet up and down. Yeah, just she move didn't even your, she, reposition yeah. your body, and um, so she didn't do that either. So, yeah, and right. you saying all of this though, the, and the scary thing is right because I I went to see you in Australia only a, f- a few months ago, and mm-hmm. everything you just said. I put my hands up and I was guilty of that as well. Like I remember the one flight I did was nearly 10 hours and I don't think same thing. I I actually got stuck in um, like the middle seats of four. Um, Mm -hmm. And, and I remember sitting in that seat the entire time. I didn't get up at all for the 10 hours. I don't think I drank really any water. I barely really moved because same thing I did. You know, I wanted, I wanted to be that polite person and not have to like bother the person next to me. And it's kind of the same thing. I mean, this is, and and what I'm getting at is that this could literally happen to anyone. And I'm this, you would look anyway, you look like a, a perfectly healthy person in which I am, but yeah, it could happen. And I, and I think that's the scary thing about something like this is, I didn't realize that that is something that could happen. And the amount of flying that I've done, that's not something I ever would have considered. And I don't know if they, you know, when they do say, you know, you should get up, walk around, do the stretches. I've never taken that as like, Mm -hmm. because something as serious like this could happen. I always thought, again, what we talked about in, in the episode about long haul travel, we just sort of talked about those types of things just to be comfortable on a plane. But you know, something like this yeah. would have never occurred to me. Um, and you I mean, all, men- all the things she did, I've done too. I yeah. think so many of us are guilty of that. Yeah. 
and but we didn't know and you know it's it, not like i i would have ever felt guilt going oh i should have done this on the planet you know it's just that was i think it's my pure ignorance not even realizing that this was a thing that this was like something that it does occur and i think people who who do know that these things happen even you associate them with you know 60 70 80 year old people you don't yeah. think of healthy young 20s 30s it happened yeah. to them and yeah. it can just as easily yeah um the one thing the doctor said to her which you know i'm glad he said to her because she was really you know asking questions and she said you know is there something i did that caused this or is this there's something i did that led to this or didn't and do, he looked yeah. at her yeah because he looked at her and he she um it's clearly a bit anxious about it it was terrifying for her and he looked at her and he said you are a young healthy woman who had a bad reaction to a long-term flight, long-haul flight, and that's it. Yeah. He's like, it is that simple. I don't want you to overthink it. I don't want you to complicate it. That's what happened. Yeah. And to think, you know, I mean, there are certainly risk factors. Mm-hmm. And she was basically none of the risk factors of it yeah. happening. So basically, the risk factors she had is that she's a woman. The likelihood of these things happening to women are a bit higher. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, she doesn't smoke. She hasn't recently had surgery. Um, a lot of cancer treatments, unfortunately, can cause this. All the things that can do this, she really just did not have. She didn't take any of those boxes off. And just to goes to show that, yeah, like it, it can happen today. I was just going to, what you mentioned, um, uh, risk factor and surgery. And you talked about um, DBT earlier on. Uh, deep. Mm-hmm deep vein thrombosis and you know that's something that came up so about a year and a half ago I injured my knee I when I tore two ligaments in my knee and I needed to get surgery and my ACL my meniscus and at the time I, I think I've talked about this in previous episode but um you know Steph and I we were supposed to we were going to fly to Vietnam for Christmas we were going to meet each other out there for you know a vacation and when I tore these ligaments in my knee I had to wait for surgery but I kind of said to my doctor like hey um, I've got Christmas booked. Can I still fly to Vietnam? And he was like, look, I can't tell you what to do, but if you take a long haul flight with, um, you know, an injury like this, chances mm-hmm. of DVT occurring are a lot higher. And I had no idea what deep vein thrombosis was. And I didn't actually look into it. I just went, all right, well, whatever. My doctor's telling me this is something. He basically was telling me not to fly. He said, it's not a smart idea to go on a long haul flight because of this. This could occur. And actually, I probably should have just researched it anyways. I mean, after he told me, I I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, "Eh, I don't know what this means. It probably wouldn't happen. But whatever, I'm not going to fly anyways. because. And the main reason I didn't fly was just... You know, my knee was I was really swollen and in a lot of pain, and I didn't think going to Vietnam was uh, a good idea. And in the um, the doctor's note that I got to get that insurance money or t- to get the flight money back, he actually wrote in there saying in the in the note saying uh, she's unfit to fly because um, and and he put exactly that DVT. He mentioned blood clots, and from that alone, the the flight company said, "Absolutely, yeah. Well, you can have your money back if that's what your doctor's saying." But again, I didn't, I didn't really understand it, and I, I kind of, now that you know this has happened to your friend, I, I, it's just kind of all coming back into it's something now. I am gonna take a lot more seriously, um, do some research on because it's just 
like you said, it could happen to anyone. It, and thank God I didn't fly. Who knows? They, you know, it could have happened because again, I, I was, I'm so happy you didn't. Yeah. Cause I mean, we were even talking about still going to Vietnam. I'm like, can I, can I, you know, and again, we weren't thinking about the flight. Steph and I were kind of saying, oh, but if something happens in Vietnam, worse to my knee, all those kind of things. But the whole flight aspect of it didn't. Yeah, that really didn't register for us. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. So, you know, she went direct from the airport to the hospital, to the emergency, to the ICU. And then once she was released from the ICU, you know, she was past that initial risk of another clot forming or breaking off. Uh, They moved her into the respiratory unit. So the hospital has an acute respiratory unit. Mm -hmm. And she moved there for uh, three days, two nights. So, you know, what her and I thought this was going to be an amazing trip for her, which, I mean, hopefully in a way it still was. (laughs) Um you know, we spent the first couple of days in the hospital together. Yeah, which uh, is not ideal. But I mean, like you said, uh, thank God that she yeah. got to the hospital as quickly as she and she did. And I think that's another thing we don't think of, um, especially when it comes to, to our health. And when we are flying and we're doing long haul flights, you don't have mm-hmm. access to if something does happen to get you access to medical professionals or to a hospital like you're in a plane they have to land the plane yeah. even even an emergency landing will take some time and and it's it's you know when we were talking about it it's just something i said i'm like are there doctors on flights like i don't do we know is that a well, thing the one thing we were specifically told is that you know as much as her not getting up caused the blood clot we are so fortunate that she didn't get up an hour or two earlier to go to the bathroom because if it had broken off any earlier than when she was actually disembarking the plane, they are yeah. not trained to handle pulmonary embolisms on flights. Mm-hmm. They have defibrillators if you have a heart attack on many flights, certainly not all, but they can't they don't have anything they can do and you know, we were told this specifically about Qantas, but I've heard 
you know, now speaking to other people in the medical community about this, that almost no airline is equipped to handle this in the air. But like, should so, they be? I mean, and that's the thing. How how common is this? Is that something you looked into? Like, how so often does pretty, this happen? I don't actually have statistics, but what the hospital, the doctors at the hospital in Melbourne said is that they are quite used to this because Australia is so far from everywhere. Right. I mean, everything is a long haul flight to get to Australia, Mm -hmm. even if you're coming from New Zealand. So they're quite trained in, you know, in how to deal with this and how to respond to this. Um, But I mean, the airlines, no, not really. They're, they're trained to be aware of the symptoms and aware of the warning signs. Yeah. Because we asked, we said this, you know, shouldn't they have picked up on it? And they said, well, you know, she was sitting the whole flight. She wouldn't have presented any of the symptoms that they're trained to look for. Yeah. And I guess that's where, I guess that's where you mm -hmm. have to take, you know, self responsibility for your own health and your own well being on a flight. Yeah. I'm so big now into, you know, you hear the saying about so many different things, but you are your own best advocate. Mm-hmm. I think we say that a and, lot <laughs> in our episodes, but it's so yeah. true though. It's so true. I, I feel like I can't say it enough because, and especially I think now a big one is the leg pain. Mm-hmm. And that is the one where I think if she had said to someone, even when that, you know, they sat down and they were asking if she drank and she said, you know, and I had all this leg pain, that would have been a trigger for them. Yeah. But so that would have, they can that. only go by what they physically are seeing. And what you tell them. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess so, just, I mean, I get, and that's the other thing. If you are feeling unwell on a flight, even if you think it's, it's nothing, but if you, if you're feeling off, it's, I think really important to, to say something and to mention it to you know, the mm-hmm. staff on board, because it, it could be the tiniest thing, feel like the tiniest thing, but actually it could be something quite serious. Definitely. And I don't want to be one of those people who kind of, comes up for less because I know we're kind of just chatting here a lot but I would actually like to tell everyone the symptoms of this Mm. which will just be me listing off a list but people need to hear it because unless you've never been told before and I don't know so yeah I feel like a lot of people don't we're I think sometimes we're really bad at being in tune with our bodies and how they feel and recognizing when something's off and again like I said especially on a flight or a long haul flight, we always feel a bit off anyways. You're not in a, mm-hmm. a normal environment. So I think it's really important to kind of go through and stuff. Yeah. Go through the list. Yep. Okay. So here we go. So we got shortness of breath and they say typically this will appear suddenly and it will get worse with any exertion chest pain. And this is where she described it as feeling like she had a brick in her chest. They say you might feel like you're having a heart attack which is get gets worse when you breathe deep, cough, eat, bend, and the pain will get worse and it won't go away from resting. Coughing. This is one I wouldn't have thought of and she didn't have, but some people start coughing as a natu- as a reaction. Yeah. And their cough will have streaks of blood in it. Okay. I think which that I would mean, be a big sign. I feel like that would terrify me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would be the sign like something's wrong. And then some of the other ones that occur with it are the leg pain or swelling. And it's usually in your calf. The, the yep. thing with, with yep. swelling, I mean, I, when I fly, I do often get, um, I've, I have gotten like swollen ankles and swollen calves and not really thinking anything of it. I just sort of think, you know, you're flying. I, and I think that is a common side effect of flying anyways. But now knowing what I know, this is something I would pay a lot more attention to. Um, Cause I don't know, Steph, do you get 
swollen when you fly as well because I definitely do. Well, I don't really, but the thing is, is so I got my legs from my dad. I got like big man legs, <laughs> and my <laughs> legs always look swollen even when they're not. <laughs> like, I went and got a pedicure once, and the woman was like, "Oh, your feet are so swollen," and I was like, "Yeah, they are. They weren't. That's just what oh. they look like." <laughs> So well, if, if I was in the air, like I wouldn't even know, I wouldn't even pick up on but it. But I guess they would just get, they would just get bigger though, wouldn't they? Oh, no? I don't even think they physically can. I don't even... <laughs> oh, stop. Ugh, thanks, dad. Anyways, <laughs> anyways, so swollen um, legs, swollen ankles. And then clammy or discolored skin, fever, yep. excess, excessive sweating. So this was when she really picked up on that because she said, she wasn't doing anything. She was just sitting down and her body started sweating everywhere mm. out of nowhere instantly. Uh, rapid or regular heartbeat, which mm. I mean, how many times though, so many people might easily dismiss that as like, they're having a bit of anxiety about the flight. Yeah. But I there's guess- so many of these things that you can write off to as being something normal, but when it's combined, yeah, like these are signs of something seriously wrong. And then the final one is lightheadedness and dizziness, which was her first symptom. That's kind of the gamut of the symptoms of this. And again, just things that you need to be aware of in your own body because almost none of these, other than maybe the sweating, other people aren't going to see by looking at you. Yeah, that's it's true. It's strictly you feeling, being aware of what's happening in your body and feeling it. Yeah. And if you are feeling these things, and as you said, a combination of them, definitely don't feel afraid to ask for help on the flight. What we've learned since then. So after days in the hospital and kind of at first, you know, we were really joking a lot, which I think was our coping mechanism in the emergency room in the ICU. We were cracking jokes left, right and center. Mm. And then I think, you know, after a couple days when we've realized she's going to be okay, she's going to make a full recovery. We allowed ourselves to really start absorbing what had happened. Yeah. And, and realize then, the severity you know, of it. Yeah. And to kind of combat letting that affect us deeply, we just started really diving into what you can do to prevent this. Yeah. For her, she's going to be on blood thinners for three months now. And the doctor has said, anytime you take a long haul flight, you know, get a prescription for a blood thinner from your doctor and take it for a couple of days before and a couple of days after the flight. Can people do that and- anyways? Like, I'm just thinking, is that something you could get from your GP, but if you are doing a long haul flight, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, I certainly can't answer to what anyone's doctor would say, but what I can say that I've read a lot now is that aspirin, which works because it's a natural blood thinner, mm-hmm. um, you know, obviously not to the same level as anything a doctor would prescribe, but aspirin has that bit. So what some people do who worry about it is they'll take aspirins, you know, a couple days leading up to the flight or an hour before their flight, um, just as a preventative measure to thin your blood the slightest bit. Right. Which is something I, I'll certainly be doing from yeah, now on. Yeah, definitely. I mean, th- this experience with her has changed how I'll fly forever. Yeah. And considering how many long haul flights you've done. So blood thinners is one. Compression stockings is another, which I knew about. Because mm. my, my parents have them, but I had never, you know, going back to the young, healthy, fit people, yeah. I had never... Well, you know, that was something I associated with older people. I actually have some that I, I had to wear after my knee surgery. And um, I was actually told, I, I met someone traveling once that, and same, he's around my age. He said, I never fly without these now. 
And so I did actually, I, I have worn them before. And for whatever reason, on my flight out to Australia to see you, I didn't bring them. But because I, I have had previous just like ankle and, and leg swelling just from flying, I've Which worn them. Which is a risk them. factor for you. Yeah, exactly. And I, again, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought they kind of help with just swelling. Um, but they do help. Um, and so, like you said, moving forward, I'm definitely going to be you know using these. Definitely mm-hmm. invest in them. They're cheap. You can get them off Amazon. Well, and how they work, just for anyone listening, is that they essentially, when you put them on at first, you're like, oh, you know, it might seem like an inconvenience because they're slightly uncomfortable, but they work because they steadily squeeze your legs together. They, mm. Well, they squeeze your legs, yeah, which helps your veins and your leg muscles just move the blood more efficiently. Mm-hmm. They don't really allow your legs to swell, which then allows it to clot. Yep. So they keep your blood moving. So they're pretty safe, simple, and... I mean, I paid $50 for the ones I just recently got, mm. which I mean, $50 for your health. Oh, hundred percent. That's a good investment. Yeah. yeah. And they're not, and you can wear them like under, you know, I usually wear a pair of tights, um, yeah. on flights anyways, <clears throat> tights on flights. Um, but yeah, the, the compressor socks, you can kind of like, they're, they are tight, but they're not uncomfortably tight. You can put them on put your whatever you're wearing over top of them and you just Mm -hmm. sort of get used to I mean I kind of think I felt like it's like wearing a bra like it's not the most comfortable thing but you get used to it after you know once it's there (laughs) so definitely invest in a pair of those anyone listening and then another one is leg elevation which isn't necessarily for flights Mm. but this is just if you're ever concerned in general um have you ever seen how there's those pillows that you can sleep with your legs that elevate your legs slightly up yeah yeah i had one again but when i after i got my surgery done (laughs) i've got all this stuff yeah (laughs) you've got all of this stuff and yet you were so unaware well i just knew it was good but not why yeah (laughs) Yeah, exactly (laughs) so that really helps and then of course another one and this is one i think where you were really good is physical activity so moving as soon as you can after a surgery Mm. or after an illness or after, you know, a long haul flight, a long haul car trip is just really moving your body. I mean, which like, let's be honest, it's good for almost everything. Well, any activity, physical activity is good for you in every aspect of your life. And and like you said, I mean, we know how I like, I can't sit still maybe on, on flights. I'm bad at getting up, but when I'm sitting in my seat on a flight, I'm literally like fidgeting and like switching positions all the time. Cause Mm-hmm. That's just maybe so that's probably a good thing. I'm sure you've seen, you know, on these airline videos, they tell you at different points to get up and walk around during the flight. I always just thought that was, you know, just for the sake of keeping yourself moving or comfortable, um, keeping yourself comfortable. This, that's what I always this thought. This is so important. And especially, you know, if you're someone who sits with your legs crossed or you, you know, or you just in awkward positions, you need to be getting up. Yeah. Every two to three hours and walking around and letting your blood flow. Because and, even if it has started to swell slightly, that movement of getting up and walking around will reinvigorate yeah. it and get it moving again. And if you're if you're a if you're tall like I am, so I'm six mm-hmm. six foot tall being on a flight, it's probably even more so important. You're really wedged in there and like you it's it is a lot harder to switch positions, move your legs into different positions. Like I know when I fly yeah. I'm either sat cross legged like you just said, which yeah, is probably which is the horrible. worst way to sit. But for me, 
because I don't have a lot of leg room on, on some flights, um, it's more comfortable in my knees, but I definitely sat on flights for a couple hours with like one leg crossed over the other. Um, or I'm just sitting mm-hmm. in like normal, you know, bent, you know, it's hard. I can't really stretch my legs out in most cases. So if anything, again, if you're really tall, it's probably more so important that you get up or if, if you, if you're yeah. unable to, to shift around in, in your seat. I mean, I've always been someone who books the window seat and, you know, has prided myself on not needing to get up and being able to fall asleep. And, you know, Same. from now on, I'm going to be booking that aisle seat so yeah. that I am getting up and walking around. Yeah. Or even if you do have the window seat, just have no shame and, you know, crawling over. If there's two people sleeping in the middle seat and the aisle seat, crawl over them or wake them up and <laughs> be like, I need to yeah. get up and walk. Don't, <laughs> don't be polite about it, you know. Well, do be polite about it, that was, <laughs> yeah. but don't, don't feel like you have do to it. be too polite about it. Yeah. Don't like barge over them, but say, hey, excuse me, I need to get out and move my legs out of my and, way. And if they get angry about it, maybe educate them a, a little bit on this because maybe then, yeah. you know, they don't know. And you guys can go for a little walk together up and down the aisle, make a new friend. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and this, this also is good for everything in life also is just drinking plenty of fluids and constantly drinking water. Yeah. The thing I'm usually so good with drinking water normally. This is like mm-hmm. I I sit at work and everyone kind of makes fun of me. I have like a two and a half liter jug of water um that I fill Jeez. up every morning at work and I will drink that. Like I'm so good at it any other time. But flights, once again, I never drink enough water. I'll drink all the wine, but yeah. when it comes to water yeah. and I think part of the reason is why I don't I don't want to have to get up and go to the bathroom every you know, half an hour. I don't want to be be that annoying person and get up out of my seat. So if anything, actually, if you're drinking all that water, you're going to be forced to get up, move your legs and go pee more often. It all ties in. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) So those are, you know, the really big things that everyone should be doing, you know, to prevent this from happening. And when you're doing those, the likelihood is significantly lower. Do Mm -hmm. it. I mean, I, this has been, Like what happened to your friend? I, it just made me again, think back to all the flights I've been on, especially the most recent one to Australia and thought that literally could have happened to me as well, because I did the exact same things that she did and the exact same things she didn't do. And, you know, like you yeah. said, it's, it's just, it's a freak accident essentially. Yeah. yeah. So is she feeling, yeah, um, is she, she, is, she is she scared to fly now or, you know, how, how is she, she's doing better <sighs> now, but what's her mentality yeah, so now? Physically about she's much better. She was very anxious to fly again. Mm. And cause she uh, had to fly back. She, so she's flown back to Canada now from, from Australia. Yes. Like she's back. And the doctor, the doctor did say to her because she asked him, you know, she said, I'm really scared to fly. And he said, he said, at this point, you're on the blood thinners you're on are so strong that essentially everyone on that plane is at higher risk of getting the blood clot than you are. But she's essentially, yeah, she's essentially bulletproof on this flight. So is she going to make any, any more visits out to see you in Australia? Do you think anytime soon? (laughs) You know, I wasn't going to broach that subject, but I can't imagine anytime soon, but (laughs) I hope it didn't taint her forever. Yeah. Oh, well, glad that she's doing so much better and you know, it's unfortunate that anything like this has to happen to anyone, but you know, we're us doing this podcast. We just thought it was really important Mm -hmm. to talk about it. And, you know, we hope that everyone listening, 
you'll take these tips on board and just learn something from this because yeah, it can happen it to can anyone. Happen out to there. Anyone. So, I mean, a bit of a serious, serious episode this week, but mm-hmm. I, again, yeah. like we said, we thought it was really important um, to kind of get that message out. Yeah. And- so I'll, like, I guess I'll just say it's been a heavy couple weeks for me personally, and I look forward to having something lighthearted to discuss soon, please. Yeah, Can maybe we? maybe next week we'll That'll do be- a, a nice, fun episode. Um, if anyone has any suggestions on stuff they want us to cover as well, we always love getting your feedback. Mm-hmm. And um, we definitely, you know, for all of you that have given us suggestions, we have we definitely have a list of them. We're, we're kind of going through them. So please continue giving us your ideas and, and the content that you want to hear uh, on this on this podcast. Awesome. Great. See you guys next time. All the Shit I've Learned Abroad is a travel podcast focused on anything and everything related to travel. You can listen to us on multiple platforms from iTunes to Google Play Music and more. And with that, please, if you have a chance, give us a five-star review on iTunes or whatever platform you listen on. That drives us up the charts and really, really helps us out. Want to support us on Patreon? Find us over at Shit I've Learned Abroad Pod. Donations start as low as just $1. Also, if you could follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Shit Abroad Pod and Facebook by searching all the shit I've learned abroad. Thanks so much for listening.